You know, we're continuing throughout the month of July to talk about our liberties that God has given to our nation and that he has given to us personally. I don't know if you understand, but we have liberty in this country. We may not like how this country is going. We may see the problems and the difficulties and the injustice in our society, but God is still in control. And he has still given to us spiritual liberty. There are nations in our world today that have to serve him undercover. There are nations in our world today where people are dying and being martyred for the cause of the kingdom. And it's in my spirit to awaken Christianity to the great thing that God has given us in this country and in the power of his word. So we're honoring our military. We're honoring God. We're honoring our freedom. And I hope today that as God jarred my spirit, that with this message I can jar your spirit. And so I just ask that you would have an ear to hear what the Lord wants to say to us. Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast. They're in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Christianity is like this. They, are, they have become entangled again with the yoke of bondage, with the things of the world, with the cares of the world. I want to say to the church today that God has liberated us from those things. And when we worry and fear and doubt and stress and sometimes use wrong language and do things that we shouldn't, we then are coming back under the bondage wherein Christ has set us free. We're a blessed nation and we are a people with an inheritance. It may be that your family has passed on and they have left you no inheritance. But I want to tell you something. There is an inheritance in God and it's greater than any inheritance that you will ever receive from loved ones who've passed on. You know, the church doesn't act like it. The church of Jesus Christ at large, they don't act like they have an inheritance. You can tell it on every scope because if they knew they had an inheritance in God, they would live differently. They would live a holy life, a righteous life. They would be concerned with what the things that are happening. Do you see that the signs of the time are so evident that God is moving in his holy city and there is war and there's only one thing. That's telling us that Jesus is making preparation to come. That tells us that when all the world joins against Israel, and they will, You notice that the commentaries that are coming on television, they're talking about all the people that are dying because of the of the of what Israel is doing. But Israel has been attacked. Does the church know that? And these scuds keep hitting Israel and and God protects Israel and God judges those who are against his people. So we have an inheritance church just as those scuds at this moment haven't hurt them God's protection is upon those who love him it's not just coming to church oh I go to church I brought my ties this is I'm a good person no no church we must activate ourselves to what God is speaking to us we must live a life that says he's in us and we must be a light to this world because this world is in darkness and darkness is creeping in to the church at large We're a blessed nation, and we do have an inheritance. We might be down on our luck. We may not have the house we want, the car we want. We may not have anything that we want. But we have an inheritance in God. 
That means we have eternal life. That means there's life after death. That means we're going to live eternally. That means that whatever the devil has waged against us, no weapon that's formed against us will prosper because we are the children of God and we have an inheritance in him. And we need to understand that and and live in that and walk in that and have daily devotions and seek God because we have an inheritance in him. Today we want to give thanks for our founding fathers who had a mind to follow God in laying the foundation of freedom under much persecution. Church, we don't suffer persecution. We can go and come. We can do what we want. We can sit in a restaurant and we can curse God or we can worship God. You know, we can have prayer right right in the restaurant. If we want, we can stretch hands across the table and pray. And if they hear us, they can't take us to jail. Because we have liberty and because we have freedom and because people gave their lives that we could have that liberty and that freedom. And, and, the, and the world and Christianity needs to awaken to the responsibility that is in the heart of the Christian for our liberty and for the fact that Christ has set us free. I don't ever want to live in my sins. I want to be free. I'm thanking God I'm free. I want to have deliverance in my life. I want to have the power and the anointing of God in me. Now, church, it's not enough to have it on Sunday. It's not enough when I feel his anointing and I preach it. I have to live it. We have to live it because there's a dark world out there that's fastly approaching hell. And if we don't speak up and if we don't walk in deliverance and if we don't walk in the power and the anointing of God, People around us may go to hell because we didn't witness and because our light didn't shine. Can you imagine what it took for our founding fathers to set us free and to give us the liberty that we have today? If you, if you have anything knowledge of history, they lost their wealth. They lost their lives. Their children were persecuted. They lost their marriages. They lost so that we could have freedom and liberty. And... I want to read this. It's in the bulletin because after sometimes when I read this and people come and say, can I have a copy of that? It's in the bulletin today. But I want to read from Patrick Henry, and and he's one of the founding fathers, and what he said. He said, appeal to the God of hosts. That's all that's left us. Is that where we are today? Is that where Israel is today? Is that what is happening in our society? Appeal to the God of hosts. That's all that is left us. We are not weak if we make a proper use of those means which God of which the God of our nature has placed in our power. Besides, we shall not fight our battles alone. How many ever felt that you were in a warfare and you were by yourself? We shall not fight our battles alone. Now, this is the point of my message today. There is a just God who presides over the destinies of nations. There is a just God who presides over the destinies of nations and over the destiny of your life and my life, over the destiny of Christianity, over the destiny of the church. There's a just God. I want to tell you something this morning. All through Christianity, there are people who are, who are judging God and wondering why this is happening and why God does that. And God is blamed for everything, church. But he's a just God. And whatever happens and whatever comes down the tube and whatever transpires in your life, whatever circumstance, he's a just God. 
And he will justify how he moves in your life. And if you will serve him, you'll be a winner in the end of, of your circumstance. He says, there is a just God who presides over the destinies of the nations, and he will raise up those to fight the battle for us. They sang of him this morning. He's the cornerstone. He has been raised up to fight for us. He has fought for our liberty, our freedom. And as our, as our founding fathers have fought for the freedom of our country. Now he says, Patrick Henry, if life is so dear and peace so sweet, it cannot be purchased with the price of chains and slavery. Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Famous, famous statement. Now, that is like our Lord Jesus Christ. He gave his life. He gave himself death for our liberty. And unless the church awakens to this knowledge, unless the church does, stops taking for granted the power of God's presence and his provision and his protection, we will be in serious trouble. We are cautioned to stand fast. Somewhere in Christianity, they don't remember that. We cannot go the way of the world. It says we are, we are told in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. What does that mean? It means unmovable, unchangeable. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that you follow them off into the things of the, you know, where you shouldn't go. That you are stable in what you believe in Christ. And when you see the circumstances that, that hurt you and the circumstances and the trials that offend you and the things that come down the tube and you have to stand for Christ, let me tell the church this this morning. Stand fast in the liberty wherein you were set free. This is what the scripture says. It says we are unmovable. And then this is the part that sometimes we forget. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Your life is a work. It's a work of Christianity. It's a work of Christ. It's a work of a light shining in darkness. You know, you don't have to get in front of 5,000 people and preach a message. You can talk to your neighbor who needs the light of Christ. And there's multitudes that are dying and going out in lost into eternity if someone would just stop and do the work of the kingdom and shine the light upon them. Benjamin Franklin said this, The longer I live the more convincing proof I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. Imagine what our forefathers went through proclaiming our liberty and freedom and setting a foundation for this country on God. And he says, this is the fact, this is the truth, this is the proof that I see. That God governs the affairs of men. I want the church to hear me today. He's the governor of your destiny. He's the governor of who you are and what you do and where you go and how you act. And when we don't act like him, we hurt our God. Now, the scripture says, well, I'm to the, not to that scripture yet, but uh, Patrick Henry confessed there is, there is a just God who resides over the destinies. 
And, uh, ben- and Benjamin Franklin said, God governs the affairs of men. This is flesh and blood recognizing who God is. And what I want to say to the church today, we need to recognize the power of God that is available to us. You know, sometimes when you have something for a long time, when you have 74 years of freedom and liberty, you get to taking that for granted, you know. But let us not take that for granted because it is the liberty wherein Christ has set us free. And I believe that liberties have been taken for granted, but just as what has happened in Israel could be happening here tomorrow. God spoke through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 45:21, And God had a conversation through Isaiah, and it was God speaking to Israel. Israel's on our mind today. Jerusalem's on our mind. God was speaking to them, and God was talking to them regarding the Gentiles. We are the Gentiles. This is Old Testament. And God is, it's a foreview. It's a prophetic word. And God is speaking to, to, to Israel and he's talking to Israel about us. And it says in the 21st verse, tell ye and bring them near. Bring the Gentiles near. We've come near in Christ, haven't we? Because we are, we are grafted in. He says, and let them come near. Yea, let them counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? I'm giving you something from ancient time. It says, who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? Now, this is what he said, church. There is no God beside me. A just God and a Savior. This is Old Testament. He says, to the Gentiles then, there's a just God and there's a Savior. And there is none beside me. Verse 22 says, Look unto me and be ye saved. All the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. I want to say this to the church today, that there is multitude of gods in our earth. There is multitude of gods in our earth. And he says, there's only one God. Serve me. I'm first. I want... To be the first priority in your life. I want you to serve me beyond a headache. I want you to serve me beyond a flat tire. I'm talking to you, church, because these things keep us from being in the house of God. They keep us from doing what God asks us to do. Those are simple things. Solomon, the wisest man in all Scripture, wrote, and he said, It's those little foxes that get in and snip the vine. And if we're to be branches of the Lord Jesus, we can't have those little snips and bites in our vine. God says he's a just God. How often, church, just be honest, do you think that something happened in your life is unjust? How often? Yesterday? You know, it's just there. We look at the headlines and we think, that's not right. You know, there's things that happen to us. You know, we fight with the bills and things like that. Well, this isn't right. They didn't charge me right. It's unjust. You know, and there's no justice in the earth except in God. And he says, I'm just. So whatever circumstance, whatever trial, whatever unconvenient thing, whatever 
you know, disaster that's going on in your heart or life or has gone on in your heart or life. He's a just God, and it will be justified before it's over. He says, I'm a just God. There is a just God. There will be justice. Today is the hour for a message like this. Because a just God requires salvation. You know, we've all gathered here. We're saved. We believe in God. We're here. But I want to ask us, how do we live? How how do we act? How often do we talk of Jesus? You know, how often do we think spiritual thoughts? How are we growing in Christ? Are we, I get amongst the saints and I hear the same cliches that I heard 20 years ago. Is there no growth in our pattern? What did we learn that was different? When God took me over here into this, I've never been there. I've read it through, but I've never seen what God was saying. He says, I'm a just God, and I'm going to give you a Savior. And we have that Savior today. Who can, who can disannul the Word of God? It's true. It's powerful. Prophecy is true. It has come to pass. He's a just God. What is just, church? So much is contained in this statement when God said that he's a just God. He's the the promoter of justice. It's not about what you get in this life. It's about justice in the spiritual realm. It's about when you live for Christ, you are justified. How many know what that is? Just as though you never sinned. That's just. If you don't live for Christ, he's a just God and there's punishment and there's hell. We don't preach about hell because we want our people to feel good. And we want our people to be happy. And yes, I do. But we also have to have knowledge that there is an eternal life for hell and there is eternal life for heaven. And hell is real, church. There's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And hell is real. And heaven is real. And there's, a, there's something that we have to do to get to heaven. We have to live like Christ. We have to be the example of Christ. We have to stand fast when we feel like not being like Christ. That is an opportunity that we all have to just do what we want to do, to say what we want to do and to act like we want to do and just throw our little fit. I'm, I'm, I can do that. <laughs> but that doesn't make it holy because I'm your pastor, there's a just God and there's justification for our wrongdoing, church. And we need to be mindful that God is cinching up. He's cinching up the kingdom. He's cinching up what is going to happen and he's bringing it together. And we see the signs are evident. There's wars and rumors of wars. There's volcanoes and volcanoes. That, that too. There. There's all those kinds of things, hurricanes, storms. Have you seen the strange weather? All these things. When these things begin to come to pass, what are we supposed to do? Lift up our heads because our redemption draws nigh. Don't you see a lack of justice in our earth? It's a lack of justice when our... When our president goes and makes decisions without the rest of the people that's supposed to help him. I don't know anything about that, but I heard about it. 
You know, and he makes those decisions and he goes like, this is what I'm going to do, whether you like it or not. And they're not here and we're going to do it. And we think that's not right. That's unjust. But let me tell the church something. God is a God of justice and he is a he is a just God and he will bring you through the fire. He will bring you through the flood and you won't come through smelling like smoke and you won't come through drowned. You will come through because he says so. And he says that no weapon that's formed against you is going to prosper. And he expects you to live like that. So we are not destined for the bad things. We are destined for eternal life with God. There's no God beside me, he said. I am a just God and a Savior. Way back in the Old Testament. And today we see him as a just God. And we know him as our Savior through the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's talk about salvation today for a moment. How strong is your salvation? Because the Bible says that everyone that says, Lord, Lord, how many know what I'm going to say, will not enter into eternal life. So there's a difference between religion that says, Lord, Lord, and I believe in God, and Christianity that says, I believe in Christ, that says, I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus, and I believe in my heart. This is what's happening in our Christian world today. There's less confession of Christ and more confession of people and more confession of religion and more confession of things that we should do and disciple and all that. We should do those things, but it should be Christ first. I want to ask the church today. God asked me, he said, am I a priority in your life? And I said, well, God, I preach your gospel. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, and he said, I want to be a priority in your life. And when you think about that, what is a priority in our life? Because you know what? We work six, seven, eight hours a day. We, you know, we have to go to the grocery store. We have to do shopping. How many know what I'm talking about? We have a lot of things to do. And God is speaking to our heart and he spoke to my spirit and he said, you know, am I your priority? It doesn't matter that I'm a pastor and I preach every Sunday. I have to have him as a priority in my life. And when I'm in the mully grubs and I'm fussing and fuming and acting like everybody else. He is not the priority. God is serious, church. He's so serious that the enemy comes in like a flood to cause us to be sleepy and to cause us to to not hear. There's so many works of darkness, it isn't funny. And we know he's going to rob, steal, and kill, but he's not doing that to the saints. He's robbing our time. He's robbing our ears so that we don't hear. And He's robbing our eyes so that we don't see that the coming of the Lord is upon us. He's robbing us from those things that are so important in this hour. And He has not become the priority of what He desires in our life. And I, I just tell you that because that's the way He's dealing with me. And I can't help it. I don't want to do this alone. So I want to tell you about it. And I want us to bring him into priority in our life. 
He needs a time in our life. He needs, he needs time to do business with us on a personal level. You know, ultimately, when we talk about God being a just God, ultimately we're talking about He frees us from sin. He justifies us when we did wrong. And it's just as if we never sinned when he comes into our life. I don't know about you, but I want to let the sins of the past go under the blood and never be seen again. And that's what just God does. He takes it away from us. The Bible teaches us that we serve a just God. My heart is heavy for Christianity at large today. I see the church of Jesus Christ sliding into the ways of the world. Their slogans come out of the world. Listen, church, God has slogans that are anointed. God has slogans that will change lives. I don't care if you get in the box or out of the box. God has slogans that are powerful and anointed and will change lives. And yet multitudes are hearing the slogans of the world trying to fit them into the slogans of the Holy Word of God. It's important, church. It's highly important. It's about how we live our life. We can't love Him one day and curse Him the next day. I'm talking about Christianity at large. I'm talking to us. We can't be faithful one week Or one month and be unfaithful for three months and come back and be faithful a month. We cannot cannot do that. That's not a priority. We cannot read our Bible on Monday and three weeks later on Monday read it. No, we cannot do that. It's not a priority. The Word of God is a priority every day. Prayer is a priority every day. And not a prayer that says, gimme, gimme, gimme. But a prayer that says, I love you, I worship you. What do you want from me today? Open the door of opportunity for me today. Lord, let me see it. Let me, let, me, let me work in it. You people work in places where people are lost and dying and going to hell. And you're the only light. You're the only minister they're ever going to see, maybe. So the question that God put to me was, this, this is how, how do we live our life? Well, I think I do okay, but then I think, well, I, you know, today I had a few rough spots. And yesterday, well, I had at least two I know of. And the day before that, it was just don't talk about that day. Does the church know what I'm talking about? You see, it's the work of the enemy to busy us so that Christ is not our priority. And we are not to confess what church we go to. It's okay to propagate your church. But we're to confess Christ. Christ. Why are you so happy, person? Uh, Look what they're doing to us on the assembly line here. And they're cheating us out of this. And and you're here happily working fast as you can. Why? Because he's a priority in your life. And you want them to, to see that because you... You are a Christian. You work hard. You're not the lazy sloth 
that is on the other end of the assembly line. Now, church, I'm just being raw, but this is what God is talking to us about. And, well, I should say that that's what he's talking to me about, and I just, I I just got to share it. It's about how we live our life. God wants us to, to, to surrender our life. He, he wants us to be like our founding fathers. What if we were called upon to lose everything to preach the gospel? What if we were called upon to lose everything to go to the nations of the world? What if we were called upon? What if he put it in our heart to do something that brought loss to our life? Will we do it? Romans 1 said, 17 says, for herein is the righteousness of God. If he lives in you, this is required of us. It is revealed from faith to faith. It is written, the just. But we live by our paycheck. I mean, you just take away the paycheck for one month and you'll find how little faith I went to Kingsway, and one, Chris, one Easter, Brother Browning got up, and he goes like, God told me that everybody should give the, their paycheck for this Resurrection Sunday. I wonder, did he hear from God? Because <laughs> my ear wasn't open, you know what I mean? I was deaf. And I had a month to think about this. And every time I got my paycheck, I could hear him saying, we're supposed to give a paycheck on Resurrection Sunday. And, and I don't know about you, church, but, you know, back then, a paycheck was life <laughs> next to Jesus. And to give a paycheck, I, I had two children, and that was the only income I had, and that income was like that. Right? And every time I got my paycheck that month, the Lord was saying to me about this. And then I started to say, well, I don't know if I have an ear to hear this, Lord. You know, and it took me right to the day. You know, and he, he gave me my paycheck because I worked for him. He gave me my paycheck that day. I picked up my paycheck and I knew that God, I, I finally, you know, got a little wax out and I knew I had to give it. And I, I had to surrender, first of all, that he asked me to. I didn't like that, you know. But we had to be faithful to God, not to man. And if God spoke that to him, now God was speaking to me. God wants to speak to his children in this hour, and he's calling for sacrifice. He's calling to, to go beyond the limit to go the extra mile, to give your shirt, to turn the cheek. This is where we are. Well, I gave it, you know, and that day I, I gave it in the, in the Easter offering, the resurrection offering, and afterward I got out in the car. This is, just, this is just human church. And I was sitting in the car, and I just was so, I don't know the word for it, and, and I was just sitting there. You know, most usually I'm on the road, but I'm just sitting there, and there's really kind of like a grumble in my spirit. You know, I'm saying, well, Lord, I did what you said. You know, I, I, I hope that it was you. 
How many know what I'm talking about? But see, he's, he's a just God. And when it wasn't about Brother Browning, it was about giving to him. And whether Brother Browning heard from God or not had nothing to do with me. God now was speaking to me, and I was doing what God had asked me to do. And now I was mumbling about a sacrifice, because it was a sacrifice, you know. And so I just sat there, and finally he started correcting me. Have you ever been corrected? May God always correct us. May the Holy Spirit always work in our conscience. So I just bowed my head, and I said, God, I'm so sorry you know, I know that you provide for me. He has always provided for me, church. And I don't want to go into detail how I needed provision, but he has always provided. And so I just sat there repenting. And there's a little knock on the door. And some saint walked by and said, God told me to give you this. I said, okay, thanks. Because always they were giving me things they wanted me to do. See, so I was thinking this is something else I would have to do. So I just put it in my pocket, you know. But when I got home, it was twice the amount that I gave to Christ. Those are testimonies, church. When God goes beyond. And if he expects us to go beyond, he will go beyond. And I'm talking to the church today that we live by faith. It's from faith to faith. It's from glory to glory. And when we are justified in him and when he has priority in our life, we will live by faith and he will provide. And you might say, well, you don't know where I'm at. You don't know what I'm going through and you don't know the problems in my life. But he's a just God. And if we will favor him and if we will love him and if we will not grumble, And if we will do the right things, God will come on the scene for us because there's a just God. So I want to finalize the message today that the just shall live by faith. But the only way that you can live by faith is if you're justified, if he's forgiven you of your sin. I want to tell the church this. I know I'm preaching probably to the choir today, but we have to think about our salvation. It's not enough to say, Jesus, forgive me, and think that we escape the fire escape. But when we say, Jesus, forgive me, come into my heart and life, then we have to start working toward being a different person. We have to let those things fall behind us. This is one thing I know, letting those things go behind and I press forward. I want to do better than I did yesterday. I want to do more for God. And I want God to be more preeminent in my life. And I tell you something, church, if you say to him, God, perfect me, don't do it unless you're serious. But if you say to him, God, perfect me, he will. And all of a sudden, you'll have circumstances. You'll have disappointments. You'll have, you'll have opportunities to trust him. But let me tell you today that no situation, no circumstance is beyond God. But if you want to be justified, if you want to live as you are justified from your sin and that you're a new creature in Christ, you know, we have to start stepping up to the plate as a born-again believer. This is what the Lord has spoke to me. The enemy will use the simplest of things to detour you. When you, read, when you sit down to read your Bible, he'll make you sleepy. Is sleep a sin? No. But he will use that 
to take away your priority to worship Him. We don't want Christ's death to be in vain. Founding fathers gave their lives that we could have this liberty that we are walking in. Jesus Christ gave His life that we could have liberty in Him. And I think somewhere the Scripture says, but don't use your liberty wrongfully. That's probably paraphrase. But Scripture says that somewhere. So don't use your liberty to do wrong things. I can do this. I'm, I'm in Christ. I'm, I'm liberated. I, ha- I heard a minister once say, as long as I, you know, God don't care about what I do in the flesh, as long as my spirit's okay. Very wrong, church. God cares about how we live. God cares about our spirit. He cares about our body, and he cares about our soul. He is a triune God. He cares about everything about us. So, this is my last passage of Scripture, so just, you know, hold steady. From Hebrews, the 10th chapter, 35th verse. Cast not away your confidence. See, you hear this sermon, it sounds good, but as soon as you leave, you go back to the circumstances and the trials and the testings and the lack and the loss and the hurt. But it says, cast not away your confidence. Verse 36 says, for you have need of patience. That after you have done the will of God, and what is the will of God? To be born again, to be filled with the Spirit of God, to be free from sin and to work on your sin life, that you are an overcomer on a daily basis. He says, that after you have done the will of God, that you might receive the promise for yet a little while. O church, hear this. And he that shall come will come, and he will not tarry. Jesus will come. And verse 38, now the just shall live by faith. Now listen to this. But if any man draw back, may the church hear this, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. See, that's religion. God has no pleasure in it. In Christ is where the pleasure is because he gave his son for our liberty. It says, if any man draw back, and I think that means women too, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But, verse 39, we are not of them who draw back. Can I get an amen? We are not of them who draw back, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. I want everyone in this house to have Jesus in their heart and in their life. And more than just have him there, I want us to live like he lives there. Stop taking him to places he shouldn't go. Stop letting him hear conversations he shouldn't hear. Stop using conversations and words that hurt him. And he has no pleasure in them. Four times in Scripture, we are admonished to be just and to live by faith. So if God put that in Scripture four times, there must be opportunity to live by faith. 
A just God holds our destiny in his hands. He says he holds the destiny of the nations. Even our forefathers said, you know, he's in charge of the destiny of our country. God is in charge of Jerusalem. He's in charge of what happens there. He's in charge of what happens here. He's in charge. He's in charge of your destiny. And you can change. We can change. Somebody said, I've had this habit for 40 years. You can get rid of it today. Because he is a God of change. God of second chances. God of power. God of salvation. God of justification. We might not be nothing to no one. But we are justified. We are a child of the King. We are born of Christ. There's a just God. And it says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. The sad thing, church, is that sometimes we walk away from him. And we don't do it intentionally. We just have a season where things go bad. And in that bad season, we lose hope. We, our faith dwindles. But you know what? You only need the seed, mustard seed amount of faith. Just have faith. Just believe. Just walk through your crisis with Christ as your priority. Lord, I don't understand this. This hurts. It's not what I want. But God, I want you to be my propriety. And remember that if we confess, here's salvation, church. If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart, we shall be saved. We shall escape hell, fire, and damnation. However, he requires us to live like we are saved. Thank you, Jesus, for the power of your word. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for your conviction. Help me, Father God, to make you a priority in my life. Help us as your church. And Lord, in the circumstances of the lives of your people that are here in this house, Father God, help us to make you the priority because you are a just God and you will treat us with justice. We may not get justice from the world. We may not get justice on our job. We may not get justice from our friends. But you will give us justice because you love us. So let your word be strong in our heart, I pray.